0: From New York City, this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm John McWhorter, and you know, let's kick off with this bit of 90s delight as a herald to what I want to share with you this time. And now it's time for a breakdown. Never gonna get it, 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 never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never get it. you, you. No, never gonna get That was so good, but you know what? This time you are gonna get it. And what I mean is that we're gonna do get and got. This is one of those things. People have been asking me to do this for the whole four years I've been doing the show. And frankly, you know, somebody says, well, what's going on with I have gotten, gotten and the fact that, you know, the British feel differently about it. And there's a little bit of me that kind of thinks because I hadn't really thought about it much before. I think, well, who, who cares? But then I realized, wait a minute, actually, the whole story with getting gotten gotten is interesting. I actually have had reason to think about it a little bit here and there, but not as a single thing. But I must admit that my listener, David Carrigan, put me over the edge, and I decided, you know, what about got, gots, getting, and what's gotten, what gets got? What exactly is that? What's going on with this weird little word get in English? So let's let's do a show about get. You're getting a show about get. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So first of all, where did it come from? What is its etymology? Well, get is a hybrid. There was an original old English word that gave birth to our get. And then the Vikings, the Scandinavian Vikings who invaded England starting in about 787, they spoke Old Norse, which was closely related to Old English, and they had a word for get too. And so our get seems to mainly take its cue from the Norse one. So as deeply ensconced in our vocabulary, and therefore our minds, as get is. It actually isn't an original English word. It started as a borrowing. But the Old English word was something different. It was roughly what would today be pronounced yet. It was yet. And that is something that we can imagine was in Old English, because it doesn't occur alone. Already in Old English, you get it in the words for biget and forget. But that requires that there was originally just a single word. And as it happens, the past participle of this jätan would have been gotten. And so we still have a direct descendant of the original Old English word in our gotten. Because the Norse word's past participle was gotten. And we don't say gotten. Also today, if we still used the original just past tense form of this jätan, it would have been That's how it would have come down. And we still have that in that weird past tense form, begat, that we know from the Bible. So, you've got these handprints from the original verb. But when we say get, what we're saying is a word that the Vikings would have been using. And actually, get this. The Proto-Indo-European word, the word, you know, spoken on the steppes of Ukraine that, that would have been in the grandfather language of most of the languages of Europe and also eastward of Iran and India, the original get root would have been roughly red, red. That would have become ched. And then, down in Latin territory, the ched would have become head, hend, hend. And that's where you get apprehend, comprehend. And so believe it or not, get comes from the same root that you have as the hend in apprehend and comprehend. Then, get this, comprehend, well, that starts as com, with, and then prehend. The prehend is to grab something. To prend, to pray, to pray, pray. Pray is something that has been gotten in that way. The word pray comes from the same root as get. Isn't that the funniest thing, how language works? Which means that language is always changing, my monotonous lesson. Any language today is the product of the kinds of changes that you can be sure people were sitting by complaining about a very long time ago. So that's the etymology, but I think what we really care about is what in God's name happened to this word to create this bizarre splotch that we have today. And a splotch it is. I mean, take a look at get in the dictionary. You, know, you go into the dictionary and you look up apple and, well, you know, it means apple. Go into the dictionary, comprehend, well, it means understand, and, and there you go. You don't really need to do much. But look up get, which you wouldn't because, you know, we all know how to use it. But in a good dictionary, get's entry goes on and on and on. I pity Anybody learning English as a second language who has to master just the range of meanings of this word get, where we think to ourselves that it means to obtain. But really, that's not even the half of it, dearie. It's, it's amazing. I remember when I was trying to learn Spanish when I was a kid. I wanted to know, how do you say get? Because in English, you say get every 10 seconds. And I used a a small dictionary, and they say that the word is conseguir. Conseguir, okay, to obtain. And I thought, okay, now I know. But then I thought, isn't that a little long and kind of formal seeming for something like get? And definitely, it was. I noticed, if I'm going to try to say get out of here, I know I'm not going to say conseguir out of here. It's not obtain out of here. If I want to say something like I get why she said that. You can tell it's not going to be this conseguir or something like I got fired. I obtained a firing. It's kind of a, a stretch. And I realized right then that was my introduction to the fact that words do not parallel one another in a one-on-one fashion from one language to another. And I realized, wow, we say get, but there are like a thousand different words that Spanish uses to convey those concepts. Spanish splits it up more finely. I would venture most languages split all of the things that we express with get more finely. English is funny with get and take in particular. Take a look at the take, a look at the entry for take too. So you end up having to think of the meanings of get as kind of a tree. Most of them make a certain sense, but you have to imagine what might happen if something begins as meaning to get, to obtain, but then morphs along. You know, the cat is always curious. The cat has to go look into the shoebox. The cat has to then sleep in the shoebox. Just this morning I turned on the sink and I left a thin stream going, and it was clear that the cat had to check that out. She's actually she's ten, but she hadn't actually ever noticed that thin stream before. You could tell that to her it's some peculiar physical object, but it makes her a little wet and she can't quite figure it out. That's what cats are like. Language is like that. It's always ooching along curiously exploring distant resonances. And next thing you know, the word is meaning something new. So, talk about cats. We can say, get a cat. So, you go to the pet store, or you know, these various ways people seem to get cats, and you get a cat. You obtain a cat. Now, you can do it actively, but then very naturally, this is how verbs work in all languages, it can be less actively. So, you obtain it without agency. So, let's say you get a cold. Now, those are two different things in a way. We master it unconsciously. But for example, listen to the toggle between obtaining and taking on without effort. In this episode of The Ancient... This is way, way back. This is 1951, George Burns and Gracie Allen television show. This is an exchange between Burns and his announcer, who was a character in the show, Harry Von Zell. They were doing the Seinfeld meta thing decades before Seinfeld. This is Burns and Allen, TV show, 1951. Uh, Harry, maybe you can give me a little information about this party tonight. Well, I'd rather not, George. She's a little sensitive. (laughs) Who's <laughs> oh, she? Myrtle. She's the party I'm taking to the Macambo tonight. What party are you talking about? Okay, be subtle. No, so long. Harry. Right. What are you getting for a present? Well, I don't know, George. Last time Myrtle gave me a cigarette lighter. <laughs> this party's like a wake. Everybody knows what's going on except the guest of honor. <laughs> So that's one way that get can work. But then you have the metaphorical kind of meow extensions. And so to obtain can also be extended to understanding. You're obtaining the information. You're even obtaining comprehension. So you can get the concept. So you can obtain, for example, this is almost too good. You can obtain a cat or you can obtain a concept. And yes, there is a Broadway song that actually shows this. And so I'm just going to play you a little clip of it. It's Stephen Sondheim's Sweeney Todd. This is one passage in the masterpiece number, A Little Priest. Listen to Angela Lansbury's Mrs. Lovett talking to Len Carriou's Sweeney Todd. Listen to these two uses of get in the same little passage. (laughs) Awful waste. I mean, with the price of meat, what it is when you get it, if you get it. Ha! Huh. Good, you got it. Take, for instance, Mrs. Mooney and a pie shop. Business never better using ugly pussy cats and toast. And a pussy's good for maybe six or seven at the most. And I'm sure they can't compare as far as taste. Mrs. Lovett. What a charming notion, well, and a so we'll I I And it was even about a cat. Just, Just too good, had to do it. Anyway, or you can understand something, or you can receive something, you can obtain something in the sense of undergoing something unexpected. And so you obtain an experience. It happens to you, and therefore you have gotten something. And so that's where get ends up meaning become. In linguistics, we call it the get passive as opposed to the be passive. So you get fired, you get hurt. And even though when we talk about undergoing, we tend to think that that undergoing is probably negative because it was unexpected and we weren't in control, the get. Passive isn't always negative because you can get paid or you can get, (laughs) I need not. And so that means that it's not always a bad thing. In fact, there was um, an episode of Married with Children. Yes, I watched every single episode and I hate to admit most of them more than once. And there was one in the fifth season where I always loved the way feed was used in this line. Young Bud, the son, is on a date with one of his, frankly, rather mean young ladies, and this is what one of them said. So, where are we going? Anywhere you want, babe. <laughs> now, I told you, when you're with me, the world is your oyster. I'm not getting on a bus. <laughs> And I don't want to get fed. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I want to get fed. And so then also to get out of here. In other words, to become out of here. And then finally, with get, and I'm not going to do all of the meanings, but these are the basic ones. It's all kind of a tree. Getting is not only becoming, but it's making someone or making something become. And so, for example, to get them together is another use of get. So, listen to Mrs. Slocum, Molly Sugden's character in Are You Being Served, the wonderful Britcom, my very favorite, and listen to this usage of get, where she is reading a sexy note that the younger man in the store, played by Trevor Bannister, has tried to send to the, the hot little bird, Wendy Richard. What have you got there? It's a bit of paper. Captain Peacock gave it to me. It's well, a note. Pass me glasses, Browns. <laughs> Dear sexy (laughs) knickers, I don't half fancy you. Meet me outside at 5.30 and we'll get it together. (laughs) Get what? (laughs) Really? I didn't think you had sexy knickers. (laughs) As a matter of fact, they're directoire. Some men get quite worked up about them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is an air of mystery about them. Well, there was during the war, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose with all those bombs falling down. Now she says, get it together. But really, the expression is get it together like getting them together, like getting (laughs) something together. And so that's a survey of the sorts of things that get can mean. Get does not just mean obtain. It's extended to express a vast range of human experience. And of course, all of this is just the beginning. It's one thing for me to talk about get, but I know that that might seem a little diagonal because what a lot of you were really waiting for is got. What is it about got? Got ends up becoming difficult because of, well, where we need to start is how the strong verbs work in English. And so, for example, I sing, yesterday I sang, and as such, I have sung. So, you have your present Your past and your past participle. And in English, often verbs have different forms for all three of those. Take, took, taken. They're endless examples. Well, with get, where it starts is get, got, gotten. But then it ends up getting played with. And so, I have gotten becomes I have got. Why did that happen? How come it didn't just say, I have gotten, with got meaning just the past? And this is something that happened in England. This is long before America. Instead of, I have gotten, I have got. That is because the past participle forms often just collapse into being the past forms. Now, not in what we think of as standard English, but in real English, the way people actually talk. If you look at these verb forms, since English has been English, they're always morphing around. They sound kind of like each other. There's this dynamic relationship between pastness and past participleness. You know it's going to happen. And so that's why people might say you've been taken, but they also say you've been took. Or, for example, in black English, he done eaten it. Almost never. He done ate it. He done ate it. Where the past participle collapses, as we say in linguistics, into the past form. Or where he could have went. You know, to me, that sounds normal, and I don't think this is a, a black thing. This is just a sort of weary, standard English, whatever kind of thing. I catch myself saying that now and then, where he could have went. I know intellectually that it's where he could have gone, but where he could have went falls out of my mouth, and I know I'm not alone. This is a natural process. And so here's an example of how this goes, and these things just kind of pile all over each other. Technically, standardly, bring, brought. Brought, But, because we're often trying to make all of these strong verbs sound like each other, and bring rhymes with sing, there's a little part of a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us, as in many, many English speakers over many, many, many years, and I mean centuries, where it's not bring, brought, brought, it's bring, brang, brung. Think about it. Think about how kind of right that sounds. I know nine out of 10 of you will get what I mean. Bring, brang, brung. But even with bring, brang, brung, they sound great to me. Bring, brang, brung. Even with bring, brang, brung, you see the opposite thing happening, which also happens all the time, where the past participle form is used for the past form. So you may think, well, all this is just, you know, goddamn fucking wrong. But really, it's just how language always changes. So often a person will say that they brung you something. They might say it in a Looney Tune. It might be Henry Hawk in You Were Never Duckier. Listen to what he says to his father. Hey, Pa, look at what I brung you. Look at what I brung you. A chicken. And what a chicken, brother. Get a load of this gorgeous plumage. So you have have gotten becoming have got. Now, have got is supposed to mean, and that's why I have gotten this thing. But the thing is, as we all know, have got does not really mean to most of us, have gotten in the past. It means the present. So, I've got a hat. That doesn't mean that I obtained a hat in the past. To us, it's equivalent to I have a hat. Why is that? Why did that happen to got? Why is it that somehow we have this past tense of get referring to what you possess right now? It's because of something about the perfect construction. It's this past participle. If you say... Elvis has left the building. What you mean is not the same thing as Elvis left the building. Notice if you say Elvis left the building, you feel the camera pulling farther away. You feel like it happened longer ago. Elvis has left the building means that it happened more recently and more to the point, its effects still linger. Elvis has left the building implies that you're sitting in the audience still clapping and he just left and you're still feeling his essence. That's where you get something like I have got having its present tense resonance. And so you say, I have got it. I have obtained it. But if you say that, chances are what you're really thinking about is that you have it. You're not thinking about the fact that 10 minutes ago, you acquired purchase upon it. What you're really saying is, look at me now, I have it. And so I have got starts out as gotten collapsing into got. But I have got still means I have obtained in the past. But it's natural for that to start to mean I have. So I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts or something like that. It doesn't mean, well, you know, 10 minutes ago, I was picking the coconuts. It means I have them right now. Then, of course, you have people who are saying, you know what? I got a hat. And they don't mean I bought it yesterday. They're saying something like, well, the reason I'm not wet is because I got a hat and they mean I, I have a hat on. Well, that is because speakers are trying to make it more tidy. So, if the present is supposed to be expressed with these bare verbs, well, I've got is kind of a wrinkle. So, naturally, sometimes people are going to think, well, why isn't it just I got? And there you go. And context takes care of any lack of clarity that might be involved. Now, this is going to sound like I'm just making excuses for sloppiness, but actually, this is pattern. It happens to plenty of verbs that they start out in the past tense, and then the past tense form ends up referring to the present. For example, we talk about mother wit, not only funny wit, but mother wit, keeping your wits about you. Wit means knowledge, and you used to also be able to use that as a verb. That wit starts out on the steps of Ukraine. What it meant was having seen and knowing on that basis. It was a past tense form. But the thing is, if you use it, what you're really talking about is that you know it. That's the main thing. It's that present tense focus. So, what started out as having seen and having received information from that became, in some languages, to just know. So, these are the sorts of things that happen. It's these preterite presents, and get has that little infection. And so, next thing you know, you have got as a past tense form, meaning have right here in the present. Perfect example, UPA, the cartoon studio that did Mr. Magoo and Gerald McBoing Boing did a one-off. Well, actually, there were a few of these, but at first meant it as a one-off. One-off called Christopher Crumpet about a little boy who can turn himself into a chicken at will. I highly recommend it. It's one of the best cartoons ever made. But listen to what the mother says in a colloquial sense about what her son is like. Well, you know Christopher, you get him what he wants or you got a chicken for a son. So, in that vein, next thing you know, you got a present tense got. Now, I remember even as a kid, I was taking a cue from hearing people use got that way. And I went through a phase, maybe four or five, where I would say he gots. Because I figured, well, you know, this is how verbs work. I couldn't have consciously talked about it. But I walk, you walk, she, he, it walks. We, y'all, they, walk. So, of course, I got, you got, well, it must be she, he, it, gots. My mother would get so angry. There's no gots. And I remember I had this stack of cards. For some reason, one of the cards had the word got. There were all these words. I don't know how they decided. Maybe the cards were for just teaching you how to spell or something. But I saw that word got, and I thought, well, there's the verb. So, it's like walk, eat, got. And therefore, it has to be he gots. And so, mom would say, there's no gots. And I would say, yes, there is, because here's got on this card. And I forget how that came out. I think my mother either took that card away, or I vaguely remember her doing something on the card to indicate that I wasn't using it right. I forget. But got is confusing. But actually, it ends up, in all of its actual logic, yielding another meaning, and that's obligation. And so... I have got to do this is equivalent to I have to do this. Because if have got now means have, then of course, you're not only going to say have to do it, but have got to do it. And next thing you know, you drop the have and you say, I gotta do it. This is how these things happen. And it can seem odd. I've got, I possess something and I've got to do it obligation. But in languages, that kind of thing happens too. Possession and obligation are shades of the same thing in a way. It is something that you possess this obligation. So, God's just following in a groove and, you know, God, like everything, is numb to what it looks like from a perfectly logical or conservative perspective. In fact, the the Creole language that I specialize in, the Saramacan Creole spoken in the rainforest of Suriname, it has this possession-obligation romance. And so, for example, the book is mine. Like it would be, you know, the goddamn girl is mine. What's it? Goddamn? I don't remember. I never liked the song. But let me not use girl. Book. The book is mine. Okay. buku, the book, da, is. Dibuku da, the book is, umi, of me. Dibuku da, umi. The book is mine. So, umi. How do I say I have to read the book? One way to say it is, well, read the book is lesi di buku. Lesi di buku. Now, the whole sentence I have to read the book is ade, it is ade umi lesi di buku. Of me to read the book. Ade umi lesi di buku. I have to read the book. So, umi, mine, but then ade umi lesi di buku. It's mine to read the book. It's, it's on me. It's up upon me. It's umi mind to read the book. This is just what happens. So, you have get and got in this weird relationship in this language. And that does bring us to a useful song. Harold Arlen and Yip Harburg, these are the people who wrote the songs to the Wizard of Oz. They did other things that often sound nothing like Wizard of Oz. They were true artists. This is from Lena Horne's Broadway vehicle, Jamaica. All it was was an excuse to listen to her and look at her for two and a half hours. It did its job and it disappeared. But the score was by Arlen and Harburg. And it's worth hearing. This is one song called Pretty to Walk With. And I've always liked how it ends because it illuminates this business of the getness and the gotness. Take a quick listen to Lena Horn singing Pretty to Walk With. Lesson to fight with, then spend a night with. That's how a man gets catched. That's how a lady gets hitched, and how the bachelor gets unbatched. Dash of sweet, spot of hot. That's how you got to be to hit jackpot. Lovely to sit up with and be lit up with on a bamboo. That's how a girl gets Yacht That's how a man You know, we've reached that time in this episode. It's about the nominal fee for those of you who are listening. You know, I'm told recently that the fee is $55. That sounds pretty nominal to me. Thank you, Languages of Africa class. But it's all about Slate Plus, and that is you can have a different experience. You don't have to listen to this show with it being broken up by these ads for these products, even the ads that are read by me. And not only do you not have to listen to the ads, but you can have more show. There can be a tag on it, like on a sitcom from the old days, where I'll talk about maybe something in the show. As often as not, it's something that's not in the show that just kind of came to my mind because I had to make up the Slate Plus segment, and so it's some random thing. I have fun doing the Slate Plus segment, but you can't hear it unless you get Slate Plus. Plus, that's at slate.com slash lexicon plus. For a nominal fee, not only do you get extra and not have to listen to the ads, but you help out Slate during these times that are troubled for reasons that I suspect we're all tired of hearing about, so I will not specify. But go to slate.com slash lexicon plus. For example, you want a hamburger sandwich? And if I say that, are you picturing two slices of like Wonder Bread with a hamburger in there and maybe some aioli and some pickled peperoncini or something, yeah, like a variation on a hamburger. I wouldn't mind eating that. I might make it today. But there's more to it, why anybody would ever have said hamburger sandwich and what that is. And the only way you can know is to, for a nominal fee, get yourself some Slate Plus today. In any case, what about the Brit part? What about how there's this difference. And it's this arbitrary thing. And I must admit, this is part of why I've held off on doing this show, because I've always thought, well, that's just so arbitrary. But it's actually interesting. In Britain, the evolution of get, got, gotten, was that gotten collapsed into got. And so, the idea in Britain was that to say have got, for what used to be have gotten, was the British and therefore proper way of doing it. America at first was like that, but around the late 1800s, America started restoring gotten. So next thing you know, you have this situation that the usage guides comment on. And so it's gotten tough to etc. It's gotten tough to get a break. It's gotten tough to get a hamburger sandwich. And it's supposed to be, it's got tough to get a happy, okay, or I've gotten numb to all of these imprecations. I've got numb to all these imprecations of supposedly the British is supposedly the standard way. And, you know, you get these arbitrary judgments that are perfectly understandable because we're all human, that you know, America's gotten is ugly somehow. Here's Charles Whibley you know that this person is not from my side of the pond, Charles Wibley in 1908. I'm not going to do the British accent because I want to give him the voice of somebody else I once knew. But he wrote, he wrote this. America need not boast the use of gotten. The termination ten adds nothing of sense or sound to the word. It's like a piece of dead wood in a tree, and it's better lopped off, just lopped off. Wibbly didn't have that last little just lopped off, but the person I'm imitating would have. But, you know, if if it's so ugly, then how come the same people use the word forgotten? Is that not a British word? And then, of course, there's something called the Bible, Bible. And so in Genesis, And he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. I don't want to lop that off. What? He got all this glory. No. Or, and they took their cattle and their goods. Who is this voice? Is this Cecil B. DeMille? Well, okay. And they took their cattle and their goods, which they had gotten in the land of Canaan. Is it supposed to be which they had got in the land of Canaan? That sounds like some sort of birth giving. And came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed with (laughs) seed, see? Gotten is fine. It was in the Bible. It's just that it happened to fall away in British English the way things just happened to be. Now, there are people who say, and I get what they mean, that the reason we started using gotten again in America is because we were looking less to British English as our model. But I think that that might be a little early. People start using gotten here in the late 1800s, but really Americans of a certain stripe were looking towards Britain in terms of What proper speech was supposed to be until after World War II. I just got finished seeing an Andy Hardy movie. Um, I will not subject you to any of it. It wasn't a musical, for one thing, but nobody even said anything interesting. But I hadn't seen one in a while. And the mother in the Andy Hardy movies, Faye Holden. She was a British woman, the actress playing her, and she's speaking a pretty British English. And here in 1937, it's just thought that that's a stand-in for even proper American. We're supposed to think that she grew up somewhere in the Midwest. I frankly think, nobody asked me, and they really shouldn't have, that really what we're dealing with with Gotten is just that things happen to go in two different directions. There were two different cats. And so, in Britain, Gotten collapsed into got. But then here, there was the opposite impulse that Americans were trying to make the pattern regular again, because you have the sing-sang-sungs. And so, we brought gotten back. I don't know if there needed to be a changing relationship with British people for that to happen. In any case, this relationship could be summed up by a wonderful clip from the show by Sheldon Harnick and Jerry Bach, these are the people who did Fiddler on the Roof. They did other work, and it was just as good as Fiddler on the Roof. This is the Rothschilds. Yes, there was a musical about them. And, of course, it didn't quite work, although it does get revived here and there. But, of course, the songs are fantastic. Here are British people holding back on restoring gotten into their version of English because (laughs) they don't want to be barbarous Americans. That's not even who these people are supposed to be, but listen to Pleasure and Privilege. See the pampered faces, regard the costly clothes Every carefree figure in a courtly pose Sniff the fragrant powder and smell the scented oil Note the slender fingers that have not known toil A world of pleasure and privilege Elegant, elite, a private arcadia Where life is sweet and polished, exclusive and elect, wary of outsiders as you might suspect. See the couples dancing to flute and violin. Aren't you rather jealous that you can't come in? A world of pleasure and privilege. Elegant, elite, but private, Arcadia. Well, I am deceit. Getting. What we do see is that English is full of the getting and the gotting. We're all about getting stuff. And I think there's a temptation to think that that might say something about what it is to be an Anglophone. And get is everywhere. Remember my pet peeve show and I talked about how I don't love hearing people say, can I get a Coke? It's like, what do you mean get? It's a little pushy. It's just some little thing that I don't like. Get is everywhere. And so you might think that get has something to do with us being very acquisitive people and very smart people have ventured this thesis. The Australian linguist Anna Wierzbitzka has an idea that democracy is responsible for how much we use get. The idea is that democracy encourages a sense of autonomy and that what happens then is that if something happens to you against your will, like you know, getting fired, then it stands out that it happened to you against your will and it gets labeled by something. And next thing you know, you have get fired. And frankly, maybe get laid just kind of comes out in the wash. And, you know, that's an interesting idea, but you do have to pull the camera back before you make judgments like this. And so, you know, on that, I don't know, for example, ask somebody, you know, who speaks Vietnamese or Thai or Lao, how they use get in their language. And give them some time, because imagine if somebody asked you this. How do you use get? The first thing you'd say is, you know, to get a cat. And then you'd gradually realize, wait a minute, to get paid and to get people together, etc. Well, if somebody speaks one of these Southeast Asian languages, give them a little time. Or if you might know somebody who speaks a really obscure Southeast Asian language, this is many, many languages in this area. It's as we call it a thing there. Brow, Zhuang, Alak Muang. The thing about these languages is that get goes absolutely wild in similar but different ways than it does in English. And in many of these languages, if you say, I have to go home, what you say is, I get go home. Not get to go as in, ha, 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 I get to go home, but I get go home. They use get where we use have in that sense. Kind of like our have got to. If you are a good dancer, if you can dance, you get dance. Not as in you understand the nature of dancing, the verb, you get Dance. That's how they say it. If you're a slow walker, you get walking slow. That doesn't mean that you start walking slowly, it's that it's a trait of yours. You get walking slow. For them, get has become very extended, bleached, as we say, so that you might hear somebody who speaks one of those languages saying, well, get kind of doesn't mean anything. And if you think about it, you can figure out how get can be extended into these spaces like a cat goes and crawls into some pipe or something like that. But still, this shows that getness doesn't necessarily have to be about acquisitiveness, because I'm not sure that we would associate, especially a lot of the smaller languages in Southeast Asia, with any particular acquisitiveness in the sense that we would think of it with what happened in the development of England, etc. Norse comes back upon us. Get is Norse. And you know, happy is Norse. It can be some of the most basic words, but get and happy. And there, yeah, (laughs) you know, there's a song called Get Happy and it really gets put on the map by Judy Garland at the end of the peculiar musical Summer Stock and what's really good is the arrangement some people might like watching her dancing around in the little little suit but it's a really good arrangement this to show that there is some sort of sense of coherence in these shows is another Harold Arlen song. This is Mr. Wizard of Oz again. This time the lyric is by Ted Kohler. But this started out with Arlen as a lowly rehearsal pianist in 1929, and he was just playing Get Happy as a random thing he would play to get people dancing during practice. And so to give people a little workout before they did the real stuff, he would just play this little thing. And actually, it was interesting. A person heard him. That person was Will Marion Cook. You should go look up who that was. That's a whole other story. And he said, You know something, son? that's actually good. You need to make that into a song. And he did. And you know what? Nobody liked it much at the time, although you can hear it in, if you're a fan of the earliest and thoroughly unwatchable Looney Tunes, it was used as the original "Merry Melodies theme song. You can hear a band happily playing it. The song wasn't big then. It really became big after its rendition in Summer Stock by Ms. Garland. Forget your troubles Come on, get happy You better chase All your cares away Shout hallelujah Come on, get happy Get ready for the judgment day The sun is shining Come on, get happy The Lord is waiting To take your hand Shout hallelujah Come on, get happy We're going to the promised land We're heading across the river Wash your sins away In the tide It's also on In any case, you can reach us at lexiconvalley at slate.com. That's lexiconvalley at slate.com. To listen to past shows and subscribe or just to reach out, go to slate.com slash lexiconvalley. Uh, to my faithful Jewish listeners, by the way, the name of the divorce document called A Get. That is unrelated to the Germanic word, at least according to anything I know. Apparently, it goes back to the language that the first known writing is in Sumerian. Nobody knows what Sumerian was related to, it was not a Semitic language. But in Sumerian, the word for document was Gidu. That probably is what became the get that we are familiar with from the Jewish tradition. In any case, Mike Volo is, as always, the editor. And I'm John McWhorter. On the other side, Forget your troubles. Get happy, your cares fly away. Shout hallelujah, get happy, get ready for your judgment day. Come on, get happy, chase your cares away. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy, get ready for the judgment day. Sun is shining, come on, get happy. Lord is waiting to take your hand.